0: Rolling. what's happening y'all Andy and Zach A to Z no BS it's Valentine's Day
1: oh look at that we're hanging out together on Valentine's Day
0: everybody's favorite holiday everybody's favorite
1: you didn't bring chocolate corporate today.
0: manufactured holiday ironically enough this is the first episode of the year where I don't have chocolate and candy for us
1: missed opportunity man
0: I almost had Girl Scout cookies but I I, I left those
1: I have to be really careful because every time they're at Kroger, I have to scurry by them really quickly because I feel really guilty not buying them.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm just going to tell them. I'm on a diet. (laughs) Uh, Your thin mints don't taste as good as abs feel. I'm going to cry about it after I say it out loud. (laughs) uh,
0: Yeah, man. I had a box of Tagalongs.
1: Is that the peanut butter one? Mm Mm-hmm. Those are my favorite.
0: I think they're everybody's favorite. I hadn't had those in in years.
1: Those are really good. Years and years. They came out with a couple new ones.
0: I I tried those. Um, I really like the Samoas.
1: Is it the one with coconut? Yeah. I can't do coconut.
0: Oh, man, I love those. Usually I'm not big into coconut, but for some reason those with the chocolate is, like, Mm. amazing. Uh, tried the Girl Scout s'mores, s'mores cookie. That's
1: new. I haven't had That's that. That's new. It Is was it good? pretty good. Okay. The
0: marshmallow hit a little little odd because it's obviously like a marshmallow filling. It's not like an actual marshmallow. No. Uh, but it was still very good. Okay. And uh, the shortbread. The shortbread.
1: Is that cookie. a new one again or no? I don't think so. Okay
0: but with nope. a little bit of coffee no oh Thin man. Mints I'm not big into Thin Mints
1: what do you like no. mint do you like mint chocolate chip ice cream no I do not bro that's like my favorite ice cream no okay
0: no that's one of those flavor combinations that I never got into do you like espresso and I probably never will uh like, in, like? in the little in the little sippy sippy cup sure or
1: just the flavor of espresso
0: ah uh, not particularly
1: well <laughs> never mind I was gonna say my favorite combination. If you go to Sip Cafe on Gallatin, and you go through okay. the drive because they have Mike's Ice Cream, you go through the yeah. drive-through, get a milk a chocolate chip ice cream milkshake, with a shot or two of espresso. Oh, right! It will blow your mind.
0: They do have some of the best milkshakes around. Yeah, yeah, I'm just for out. sure.
1: The first time I found out that they had that, yeah. I like did a double take. I was like, "What did you just say?" like, yeah, we can put a shot of espresso in your milkshake. I was like, I will have that with Thin Mint ice cream. I wasn't even going to have ice cream at all. I was like, I am now ordering a shake.
0: I'm surprised you could taste the espresso at all.
1: Oh, and the best part about it is, yeah, you can. So it's a little coffee flavor through the Thin Mint ice cream, but also it's warm. So it melts the ice cream down a little bit. So you can actually drink it.
0: Yeah. It's strategic-y. Um For me, the play would be cookies and cream ice cream with a shot of espresso. That's what my wife does, minus yeah. the shot of espresso. Okay.
1: Yeah, but she likes the cookies and cream.
0: Oh, man, it's hard to beat. It's good stuff. Hard to beat a good cookies and cream.
1: Speaking of ice cream, we actually ordered ice cream from Baked Bear. Uh-huh. Have you ever had ice, their ice cream? I've heard it's very good. It is. We ordered it last night for the Super Bowl. Oh. I have a pint of it still at home. Might be digging into that tonight. I'm going to eat my bad day away with ice cream. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. It was just not great. Yeah right. well, un- irritating in a number of ways.
0: Obviously we don't need to air all of your Our grievances. I already did your, your grievances
1: <laughs> on the show.
0: No uh, but suffice it to say that the trials and tribulations of being a sole proprietor of a brick and- mortar business uh, comes it, with good and bad comes with good and bad and comes with a lot of headaches when it comes to dealing with people yeah and other businesses. Right and not everybody runs as tight of a ship as Andy does.
1: The, it just weirds me out sometimes. I would consider my job customer service, right? So... Of course. Because I provide that service, customer service, I feel like I try to be as accommodating and understanding and whatever of my people's needs, right? Of course. So when I call a company for a service, and they just treat me like an idiot or an asshole. I'm like, I don't understand what's happening right now. I'm literally trying to pay you money. And you're making it difficult to do that. It's weird.
2: Yep.
1: So, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm too nice. But, anyway.
0: Yeah. It's customer well, service for you. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily think that you're too nice. But it's it's just a good juxtaposition of, like, how... One runs a business when one is the owner and has a passion for what he's doing, um, versus maybe a business that has a number of employees who may or may not be as invested in the success of the business, or as passionate about the nature of the business, or who just otherwise through, you know, time has become jaded or you know lost their day-to-day empathy for for the customer and that unfortunately happens with a lot of businesses
1: yeah i I wrote a position paper in um undergrad in one of my english classes that everybody should have to work food service for at least six months because did you ever ever work food service yeah Mm -hmm. i mean do you have a lot more patience and compassion for people who serve food a hundred percent yeah it's yeah, like yeah. that to me. It's like, if you've ever been in those shoes, you understand that that job can suck very easily. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a wide berth of grace and patience for food service. Huge. I felt awful the other night because I, I brought cash to to pay for dinner, and I could only pay an 18% tip. I felt
0: terrible about it. Oh.
1: Huh. Yeah.
0: That's literally all the more cash you had on hand?
1: I literally, every single dollar I had on hand <laughs> equated to the bill plus 18%. And I was like, ooh, shit.
0: Just emptied the wallet. Like, this I, is all I got. I
1: literally did that. And I felt so, I felt awful. It was weird. It was 18%. And literally the difference would have been four extra dollars. Yeah. If To match, at least to get to 20% would have been four extra dollars. You could do the math in your head if you want.
0: I cannot do the math in my head. I could maybe do the math on my hands. Let's just say that that was a nice dinner out.
1: Well, all the point being, right, it was a nice dinner out. Can you you tell us where you went? uh, Lou over by Mitchell's. Oh, yeah. It was fabulous. Very nice. They had a peanut butter ice cream. Speaking of ice cream, they had a peanut butter, like a ground, like homemade ground peanut ice cream. It wasn't like peanut butter per se, but it was like home ground peanut. It was unbelievable. So good. I would, I would say, if you don't want to go for the full dinner experience, make a reservation and do dessert and a bottle of wine with, mm. a, with a certain special someone.
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe a special uh, excuse for us to get together for maybe a, a Saturday night podcast. Hmm?
1: Well, they close at two on Saturday, oh. so we can go at like one on let's, Saturday. Let's go at one. <laughs> Be like, Megan, I'm going to get Lou a bottle of wine and ice cream with Zach at one o'clock on a Saturday. Strictly professional. <laughs>
0: Dope. Strictly professional. We're we're podcasters here. We're basically business partners at this point. Yeah, we are.
1: I would I would I would write that off too. That'd yeah. be actually yeah, that'd be a good time of course. Okay.
0: Uh, uh, speaking of going out and having great food and great dessert, I went to Lyra last week oh, and had it. a Tahini brownie. Oh, I've had that. It's good. Yeah, with a little vanilla ice cream on top. It's really good. Oh, it was delicious, man.
1: Did you have the full meal experience there? Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Did you get the hummus? Of course I got the hummus. The fully
0: loaded hummus? Uh, This time around, so the past couple times I've been, I've gotten the pistachio feta whip. Yeah. Uh, This time, just stuck with the hummus and uh, jalapeno relish okay which is very good
1: that's right because you can like get the hummus and then like you can choose like a couple things yeah or you can go your own like fulls yeah I go all in every time I
0: love it <laughs> dude that pita bread is always on point oh
1: man yeah. a couple of great east Nashville restaurants yeah dude I need to go back to Lyra yeah had you been to Lou before I've never been oh it's cool
0: I've heard I've heard it's really good yeah yeah, yeah.
1: so anyway customer service
0: but customer service is super important. Yeah, really. We've talked about this, I think, multiple times on the show. Training, uh, what we do, coaching, is like pure customer service. Like because the the service is one hundred percent on mm-hmm. and with the client. So there's nothing that we do. I mean, outside of our own development and programming and preparation. There's nothing we do service-wise that is outside of the direct client experience. Mm-hmm. You know? So it pays to be a people person, to know how to negotiate around various personalities as well.
1: It does. Then I, this, what I love about my job is I feel like I'm a decently fun person to hang out with. And also a, a decent coach. I wouldn't say I'm a great coach. I'm a decent coach. So fun to hang out with. Decent coach. Good workouts. We have a good time. Yep. Trying to get the music figured out because everybody has their, their... Everyone's finicky about the music part. I can imagine. Yeah. But outside yeah. that, it everything goes well. Actually, it has been my experience that some sessions go phenomenally well. And some are a little bit more challenging. And I can't mm. quite pinpoint what it is that makes them different hmm. because I think I'm the same person in the workouts that I'm trying to deliver about the same. So basically what it boils down to is different people are different. And so imagine that sometimes the chemistry is a little bit better than in, in other situations. It's not bad. It's never bad. It's just that some, the chemistry is a little bit better than others. And I'm still trying to figure that out so that I can, can create an environment for a better customer experience. 'Cause that's what really what it's about. I want good workouts and I want you know, people to have a good time. Yep. And if I don't think they're having a good time, then I'm like, ugh, what can I do to better improve this? Yeah. So anyway.
0: Well, that's that's what makes it worth driving across town to at work least, out at your gym.
1: At least once a day. Oh, are you talking about me or them?
0: <laughs> Theoretically them. Theoretically, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's what it's, uh, it's what it's all about. Again, man, you know, at the end of the day, I think we both know whether it's, let's just say, people in our industry who have all the book knowledge but are, let's say, lacking in the people skills. And, you know, at the end of the day, like it just never adds up to a successful long-term career for these for these people. Mm. I mean, I, you know, I've seen it at least a dozen times. You know, people have uh, have all the skills in the world on paper, but it's how you deliver it to the people that counts.
1: Right. Right, and I think there are certain like models in the in the. I'm going to be struggling with my words today. Um, Models in the consumer space that we should be taking notes from. Yeah. Like, and I do, I, 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 I'm not oblivious to like what a lot of consumers want out of their workouts. And then I'm also, it's a balance for me between what people like, what people need, what they want, how to get it. And also staying true to my values as a bit now as a brick and mortar business owner, I have a certain set of values that I'm trying to maintain but without being super like staunchly like too uh, rigid about, if Mm -hmm. that makes sense. In other words, I want to be flexible enough as a business owner who has values to be able to change if I'm challenged, but I also want to stick to my convictions. So, it's a a careful balance and I'm still working on it.
0: Speaking of integrity Hmm. and maybe let's also say transparency and pricing, which is something that you struggled with, with another business.
1: Oh, oh today, right. <laughs> today, right.
0: Quite, quite literally. <laughs> um, this is uh, something of an interesting point that I think about every now and then. And I'm not gonna specifically call anybody out here, and I meant to give you a little bit of context before the show. Um, but two two things happened uh, kind of last week that are kind of gelling gelling together. As you can probably imagine, Andy's uh, gym membership is not the cheapest in town. No, he's not competing with Planet Fitness. No, he's not a bargain basement budget gym. Right. Granted, there's probably some more expensive options than Andy. You're looking at one,
2: <laughs> but <laughs>
0: baby, um, but uh, but the point is, is that you you deliver a higher touchpoint service, a a more valuable service, and you charge appropriately for it. Right. And I, obviously, the market is kind of catching up to that idea, but there's still are, uh, you know, probably the average person has no concept for what, like, a good personal trainer costs, nor do they really have the budget in their mind for consistently investing in kind of a higher quality personal trainer. Sure. You know? Again, I think the market is heading there, but yes, the average person, like, they don't exactly have the budget for the type of service that we offer. So all that to say, sometimes there can be sticker shock, sometimes there can just be total ignorance for kind of what we offer and the general price point that comes along with that. Sure. Because again, a lot of people still kind of maybe consider the personal trainer as just some hobbyist or it's just some gig that you kind of just pay someone you know under the table for mm-hmm. or, you know that that kind of thing um so i i'm very lucky in the sense that most of my market kind of understands what i do and the investment therein mm-hmm. occasionally you have conversations with people who have no concept for who you are what you do and and the investment that comes along with kind of high touch point coaching sure whether that's in person or whether in my case that's that's with online uh, coaching programs I'm still you, you ask um, at least some people will still say I don't charge enough regardless I'm kind of in I'm still kind of in the, the you know the general the general market uh, zone. <clears throat> for what a lot of people in my industry charge but in any case there was there was that conversation that happened where someone was like I had no idea uh, that you know to invest in your services would cost X amount of money hmm. and of course I didn't pry I'm just like hey you know hey it's an investment but I wasn't like well what do you expect like if we're talking about much less investment than like I don't really know (laughs) what, what type of service or what type of deliverables you would expect from me. Sure. Now on the other hand, uh, or I should say the other event that kind of transpired, uh, like the next day is, uh, I saw a number of, uh, let's say, let's call them influencers. Let's call them fitness influencers. Um, peddling a product that I know for a fact they've never used before huh <laughs> what is there a lot just because let's just say I watch these people train all the time and um... I know they don't use a certain thing that they're selling okay. and so then you start to think okay well why is that well there's kind of like there's kind of like two, two big ideas there Either, and I know I'm very much oversimplifying this, but let's say you're just peddling a product just for the extra cash, right? Okay. Just because, you know, to, to use the least charitable viewpoint, someone's super greedy, someone has super low ethical boundaries, and they're just peddling something for the, for the cash. Hmm. But let's also be empathetic. What are these fitness influencers because they've also um, because they haven't taken the same career trajectory that I think that we have, which is offer more value be, you know, uh, really strive to be a leader in the market and then charge accordingly to where we can make a comfortable living at a certain price point mm. for our services. Let's just say that the fitness influencer did not take that route. Mm. Let's really use our imaginations here. Right. And just say that maybe this is, you know, a trainer that is maybe charging bottom dollar bargain prices and isn't really can't really make a career, can't really spin a living out of this passion for training. Sure. So out of, again, using the least charitable way of looking at it, least charitable perspective, let's say out of desperation, they're just using their image, they're using their aesthetics to peddle these products. Mm. Because that's maybe the only way they see themselves being able to get ahead and make a better living for themselves. So, so do you see what I'm saying here? Mm-hmm. So these two things I I saw or I, I, I experienced last week, and it made me think that, like, that's, that's an interesting double-edged sword or juxtaposition that I think the industry is at as a whole.
1: Okay. I'm just thinking about – well, I think there's a, a – Third.
0: So, so when you were bringing up like ethics, right? I'm thinking, you know what? Keeping a strong ethical line is, I mean, a lot of times it's it's not easy because we can we can take the easy out, we can take the easy dollar, but hard choices, easy life, easy life, hard choices. Mm. So when we make the hard choice to play the long game to invest in ourselves, to invest in our education, our continuing education, our people skills, our skills as coaches. Over the course of time with building a career, we can work our way up to being at the top of the market. Hmm. But that takes a long time, that takes a lot of sacrifice, that takes a lot of investment on our part we have to invest so much in ourselves before we can reasonably expect other people to invest a lot in us
1: okay I would agree with that
0: and uh, that's just a hard consistent line to to tow and when anybody in any business doesn't do that and they go for the shortcut they go for the the quick dollar you almost can't blame them because what what other option do they have at their fingertips?
1: So I had a a difficult, uh, not a difficult conversation. Thank you, Ken. Um, Not a difficult conversation, but I had difficulty with this, what we're talking about in terms of like ethics, because on the one hand, I think I'm trying to provide a service based on my expertise and my experience That is a little more accessible and that's why I do the small groups so that I can keep my price points relatively lower and serve more people. Right. So I'm trying, I am trying to be reasonably more accessible. That said, I know that I'm not necessarily for all people and that's fine. Um, And I'm also not the top end, high end, you know, celebrity trainer and that's fine too. I guess what I'm having difficulty with in in this overall conversation about fitness and providing services and price points and in just the general population, on the one hand, I could look at, let's say, Planet Fitness is highly accessible. $10 a month, no contract. They have a billion machines, lots of accessibility. And yet their model is predicated on overselling their membership base knowing full well that most people won't use it. That $10 a month is not enough to cancel. Um, and also, like in the back, they they understand their consumer. In the back of their consumer's minds, they're like, well, it's only $10. Like, I really could go. I should go. And yet, they don't. On the And this is where I have difficulty with this. On the one hand, it's a business providing a service. They are allowed to make money. Businesses go into business to make money. They're not... What was that joke in Joe Dirt? He's like, we're not UNICEF. It's not a charity. Right. On the other hand, I... And and Planet Fitness is not the only one that does this. Big, big corporate gyms do this too, where they oversell their memberships, oversell the need for certain services or whatever. You worked at an Anytime Fitness. I'm sure they had... Lifetime. Lifetime Fitness. Thank you. You worked at a Lifetime Fitness... I don't know for sure their business practices, but some of these larger corporate gyms have, for lack of a better word, almost predatory approaches to like selling coaching, selling training, selling supplement, just selling fitness. And yet overweight and obesity continues to rise and our health and fitness literacy continues to devolve into like worse and worse. That's why, in a weird way, I've almost tried to isolate my own gym into its own little universe. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna I can serve these people. I want to serve them well. I don't care about Instagram. I don't care about Facebook. I don't care about anybody outside out here. As long as I can do right by my clients and provide the service that I promised that I would provide for the price point that they're paying, this is my universe, and I'm sticking. I'm sticking to it. And I will do my best to to work within those confines. But in a weird way, I'd like to – I kind of try to distance myself from the entire industry as a whole. Even though I can't, that's impossible. But because of these, like, weird ethical issues that are going on with the fitness industry as a whole, my entire demeanor about it is just like, blech, blech.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, I mean, again, if we want to elevate the industry, if we really want to help people, then – we have to hold our, ourselves to a really high standard. And I think we can do that while simultaneously helping a lot of people at, mm-hmm. at a lot of different, like, let's say, price points and budgets. Um, and, and at the same time, uh, you know, I can't help but think sometimes, like, well, you know, it kind of goes back to that cliche saying like you get what you pay for sure if you want a cheap personal trainer sure you might find a needle in a haystack like you know you might you might find like the guy who like really does care who's who's really on on top of his or her game that just so happens to maybe be early and and charges you know (laughs) rock rock bottom prices but I mean outside of that scenario um, you kinda, it, it, it's like, it's like a higher price point also gives us the buffer to maintain these more, uh, I, I should say maybe these higher levels of integrity, mm-hmm. you know? So that's, that's kind of the, that's, that's kind of the tricky rub here, you know, or, you know, like we were talking about, uh, restaurants and, and, and the service industry. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times if you want the best food and the best service around you're, you're pay for it. you're not you're not talking about the dollar menu here. Sure. But if all you have is a buck in your pocket, well, you can you know, you can you can get a french fry, but mm-hmm. it's going to be for McDonald's. Right. You know. Um, so that that is the tricky that that's the, I, that's really the double-edged sword with any service industry. But you know again that's why at least from my perspective I try to put out so much of my best information for free mm-hmm. because it's not it's no skin off my teeth if you learn and benefit from my content without paying me.
1: Well and then you build trust like, people get to know who you are what you stand for what your values are. Like so in a way you by you doing that by putting all of your your content out there for free you're building trust in the consumer who might want to then spend money with you to get a little more high-touch coaching or whatever. Of course, yeah. Um, I do the same with my clients. I,
0: I've,
1: now, uh, Anthony, who we went – he's probably going to hear this podcast. We went to Steak and then Audrey.
0: Yeah, we need to do that again. We need
1: to do that again. It was fun. He, he said he went again. So anyway, but he, he and I talked last week, and he had some really great constructive criticism About, because what I try to do when I'm working with my clients on occasion is I more or less sort of information dump on them sometimes. But I'll be like, we are doing this exercise for X, Y, Z reasons, targeting these tissues for, and depending on who I'm talking to and what their goals are, I'll be like, to build a great ass. I might just be that blunt. Sure. I could also be like, one of my clients is going to hike Mount Rainier this year. Be like, okay, well, we're doing these deficit reverse lunges because it's applicable to your hiking uphill or whatever. So I try to, but anyway, his constructive criticism was sometimes I just sort of like the word vomit. So I'm trying to get better at being more concise and more direct with my information. But all that said, I don't want there to be any sort of man behind the curtain vibe with my clients. Mm. I don't have secrets. And so I invite questions, I invite criticism, uh, You know, and I wanna be transparent. We are doing this for these reasons. I had a mentor that told me, if you're going to do something, be prepared to defend it. I have to be able to defend it. Mm. And so transparency in, in trying to bestow some sort of knowledge onto my clients is part of the whole package deal, whether they like it or not, unfortunately for like Anthony and them. But I, I do, I want to. I want to, prepare them for the day when they don't need me. It sounds, well, high and mighty. It's not I'm not like, here's some information, young person, or whatever. You know, it just, I try to give them information and knowledge so that one day when they don't need me, they know what they're doing and why. Of course.
0: Of course. Yeah, man. Yeah. You you slash your, your mentor in question really hits the nail on the head. Just be able to, to defend it. And anything that you say or have clients do, be able to to have some rationale behind it. And again, you know, going back to hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna recommend some supplement, if you're gonna recommend some wacky uh, training tool, yeah, right, some some sort of BFR, right. Like, be able, to, be able to kind of match your, you know, your defense of it, your recommendation, to the investment that the client is going to have to make. Mm-hmm. If it's a big monetary or effort or time investment for the client, be able to weave an argument why it's worth the investment.
1: That's why I don't have, like... I'm not enough influence to actually have this opportunity, but I don't have a supplement that I get money from if I suggest it or equipment. It'd be cool if Rogue was like, "Hey, man, we'll give you ten percent or whatever," because I would, because I really. Well, that said, I really believe in Rogue's products, so if Rogue gave me kickbacks for recommending their equipment, that'd be stellar because I like their stuff. I'm gonna suggest it anyway.
0: You know they have an affiliate program.
1: Well, I don't think there's enough people buying enough Rogue stuff to make it worth my while. Point, you don't know who
0: listens to this podcast. All right,
1: well, point being, between Rogue...
0: Like, Rogue.com slash Andy Van.
1: Yeah, I'm just going to send this to Rogue and be like, I was saying nice things about you. Actually, sidebar, I might be buying another barbell that's not from Rogue. <gasps> I might be going to FTS. Elite FTS. Another Elite uh, FTS. Okay. Uh, a little, little power bar with a center neural.
0: Oh, stellar! Mm. Elite FTS. I mean, there's a company that's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. that's maintained uh, high integrity. I mean, their equipment is always regarded as top notch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure.
1: Same with Rogue. Mm. Well, yeah. when you in in the same vein of what we're talking about right now, companies like Rogue, Elite FTS, um, Sorenex have built. A brand where people trust what they do. They trust their product. They trust their customer service. And to be honest, all three of them, that was three? Rogue, Sorenex, Elite FTS. Yeah. All three of them are not the cheapest on the market. But I would gladly give them my dollars because I know what I'm getting when I yeah. give them my money. There's a few other players out there, but they don't have the same, um, uh, there's a word. That I'm looking for, but I'm losing my word. Reputation, pedigree, pedigree, oh, pedigree, wow. Repu- <laughs> reputation. Oh. Oh, 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 I'm getting. Oh, do have, my- <laughs> do I have a mustache to twirl. They don't have the same pedigree, and so I would. I'm more likely if I'm going to make a suggestion, I'm going to lean on those three companies because I know their stuff and I know they do a great job. They're not the cheapest, but I know what I'm getting when I buy it. Yep. So, same with training. You can get low tier, middle tier, high tier. And you can build a reputation off of that. And, you know, some people will buy it and some people won't. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. But ethics are are funny, man, especially in our industry. Yeah. I'm like I'm blown away constantly by the billions of like products and equipment and affiliate this and that and. And dubious claims and so I am very hesitant about any of those things. And I have yep. clients that'll ask and I'm like, I don't know enough information about this product or this supplement or this training modality to make a comment, but I'm gonna reserve I'm gonna reserve comment for a little while and just kinda see how things pan out a little
0: bit. Yeah.
1: And usually it plays in my favor.
0: Yeah. Yeah, man. Um I, this was obviously just a random talking point that I just played off on that took us the better part of half an hour to work our way through but but yeah, man, I mean, I think uh again I'll give you a little bit i'll I'll name names and I'll give some context okay there okay <laughs> off I, air. I was yeah, I was hoping you would but um yeah, I, I just think that like wow if if us if people kind of took the same enthusiasm and effort and time into like just pimping out some shiny toy, if, if they just took that same energy and put it into like putting out good content mm-hmm. or investing in continuing education or, you know, fill in the blank with any number of things that would actually bring value to their clients into the marketplace. Like they, they'd be well on their way. Mm-hmm but i'll also take a little step back and try to be a little empathetic that maybe you know some of these people don't have the self belief or esteem in themselves to think that they could make those those steps you know what i mean mm. like maybe you know certain people i you know again the whole psychology of like self worth is so real if you only think that you're capable of something or worth something, you're going to hamstring yourself. Mm. It's, you know, it's one of those, uh, uh, you know, dark parts of human psychology. So if you're someone who's blessed with confidence, blessed with self-belief and esteem, then maybe it's easier for you to play the long game. Mm. I think that's something that I'm thankfully blessed with okay so it's it's been easy for me to play the long game
1: okay well you're also
0: pretty good at what you do
1: and i'm being like uh, there's a word i'm looking for <laughs> you're very good at what you do thanks man i was i was yeah bringing levity to the conversation you're great at what you do thanks so it helps that helps to, for the, the longevity of it
0: yeah well i've always i've tried to never be too big for my britches I try to wear big britches, but I try to fill them.
1: (laughs) I was going to say, and I like that about you, because I think if you were any other way, I'd be like, meh. Because if you haven't gathered by now, I'm like, meh. Meh. About a lot of those people.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, as well you should be. I mean, a lot of the times. Uh, That reminds me of the the Super Bowl commercial with... uh, David, who's the guy from Curb Your Enthusiasm? Oh, Larry David. Larry David, yeah. <laughs> Where it's Larry David throughout the course of history, looking at new inventions and going, "Meh." Ah, yeah. The wheel, "Meh." Ah. <laughs> that was that was a great commercial. Um, but yeah, like you, by and large, like should be should be skeptical. I mean, hey, I want uh, to go too far off the off the rails here, but. You kind of have to, you kind of have to match your ambition with your work ethic. Mm. You know, like, I'm, I'm confident to the degree that I can back it up with work ethic and experience feedback.
2: Mm, you know like what that. I mean? Yeah. Because
0: listen, I'll, I'll be honest. <clears throat> I rub people the wrong way. More often than you might assume. <laughs> I don't know how much you assume. I
1: need to be watching more closely.
0: But, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of... Uh, I've heard over the years, I've heard a lot of people, both online and in person, people people criticize me for all sorts of things. What? Yeah. But it, it rolls, most of it rolls off, uh, is like water off a duck's back. Because A, I can see where they're coming from because I actually have empathy for other people's perspectives. Mm -hmm. But B, it doesn't fundamentally trigger or offend me or cause any sort of existential identity crisis because I always make it a point to try to match my bravado or claims or... Whatever else I'm, I'm leading with, I always try to lead with a mountain of evidence.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's hard to refute. Yeah,
0: and if somebody wants to be a hater, then See? okay. But it's, it's, it fundamentally doesn't affect me because I'm not, I'm not, you know, hey, pardon my French here. I'm not talking shit. My words aren't hollow. My content isn't hollow.
1: Okay. I mean, I've seen your content. I believe it. Yeah. It's just weird for me to, like, hear that anybody would talk shit. Oh,
0: dude.
1: I was going to say, do you have your comments on your YouTube videos turned off?
0: No, I do not. And the bigger I'm getting on YouTube, the the wackier the comments are getting. Oh, I believe that. Oh, man. Sometimes, like, it just... Sometimes it's actually pretty impressive. The things people say and the word count of, of comments on YouTube is truly impressive.
1: I'm going to go look for one of your more popular videos and just go see what the comment section looks like. I, hey. I'm going to go in there and I'm going to defend you. I'm just going to start replying.
0: <laughs> go for it. Dude, yeah, if you go to, if you just obviously just YouTube my name, you just go to some of my bigger videos, yeah, you'll see all kinds of oh, I wacky comments.
1: Yeah, people are nuts, man. People
0: are nuts. But in any case, so that's a, that's a little bit of a, a stream of consciousness on ethics and where our place is in the industry.
1: Well, I think it's it's an important conversation, and and I think – you and I get along because if we, if one of us had dubious ethics, then I don't think we'd be hanging out together. No. I'd be like that Zach guy. Don't trust him or whatever. I don't know.
0: It would just be the A to V, no <laughs> BS show.
1: <laughs> and it'd be me making a bunch of fucking weird comments about stuff. You no, know, that wouldn't be a fun show.
0: Andy just live streaming his, his, uh. Facebook
1: you know it's yeah that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> going about comments on videos I, I tore into somebody recently on Facebook who deserved it of course so unrelated to fitness or anything just somebody that I was like you know what you just struck me just hit you hit the wrong nerve and that just... is anyway sorry for another time sure but yeah man I mean fitness is tough like This is what I love about, um, principle based coaching, which is what I would consider myself and probably you, you know, in other words, there are certain principles that have remained unchanged for like the last millennia in terms of training, like the last 50 years, but in terms of like how the body responds to stimulus. Yeah. So when you, when you base your programming or your workouts around principles, it's really hard to argue against it.
0: Yeah, you can only go so far off the rails, right? Yeah,
1: and so if you know, and everything has its place, and, and that's the beauty of program design and 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 working with clients is trying to do this dance of, you know, who they are, what they need, what they want, what their goals are, what equipment availability, and and you're like, okay, we're going to do A, B, and C exercises and so long as they're challenging and progressive and safe, you're gonna probably check a lot of boxes. And there's no, and the best part about it, there's no ethics involved. It's principle-based. So I don't have to sit here and be like, was that a bad moral or morally or ethically incorrect decision? If, they're, if it's unsafe, then yes, the answer is yes. But typically it's not, as long as it's safe, progressive, you know, simple, whatever then we're going to be making a lot of progress. And so, at when I go home at night, so long as my programs sort of check those boxes and don't deviate away from my values as a coach or principles from like exercise physiology, I'm like, we're doing good work. It could probably be managed, you know, logistically managed a little bit better. And the experience, everything that comes in around that, the package that comes around it, could be maybe a little bit different. But, at the end of the day, I go home knowing that what I'm doing is good stuff. So, I don't feel bad about it. And if someone wanted to criticize, I'd be like, that's fine. You can criticize all you want.
0: You can come on the podcast. You can
1: come on the podcast and criticize it. All that said, I was just thinking about this a minute ago. I would consider, and I don't think that this is a, necessarily a bad perspective. I think my business is only as good as the worst session that I do in a week. So, when I tell you, like, oh, you know, the chemistry in this session is not exactly right. I focus more on that than I do the ones that are killing it. Sure. Now, I do try to go back to the ones that are killing it, and I'm like, all right, what is going on in that room with those people at that time? What's special about that? And and what can I take from that experience and extrapolate it to this less, a little, and there, I don't have any miserable sessions. I have, I have 100% retention as of this recording, 100%. So clearly something's going well. That said, I can tell as a coach that does many sessions a week that some just slay and some that I just don't have the same level of like pizzazz to. And I'm trying to figure out how to like, so again, going back to like developing my business, I have great, awesome, fun sessions. I have some that are, you know, and I have a couple that are just not as, they're still fun. They're still good sessions. They're still good workouts. They're getting what they're, what they are there to get but I'm trying to just bring that extra little experience piece to it and so as far as I'm concerned my business is only as good as those they're not even bad but those less than ideal sessions Sure. so yeah And I think that's, a, that's probably a good thing to be kind of focusing on sure I don't
0: know well as long as it doesn't drive you too crazy
1: it drives me crazy all the time <laughs> <laughs> every day not every day but some days
0: yeah man yeah i get it i get it yeah i i would generally agree like you have to criticize yourself to the extent that there's something worth criticizing
1: right and and i will i'll admit this i'm not so much criticizing what i'm doing i'm just noticing that some sessions just have a, just a magic to them yep. and others feel Less magical, sure. And I'm like, okay, what can I do differently in this one to make it look more closely like this one? Again, everybody's getting good work. Everyone's getting a good workout in, but some of them are just unbelievably like awesome. Did we lose something?
0: We may have lost the live, the live microphone. Oh, so we're just on
1: without sound (laughs) honestly uh oh I see that it might have been the whole time
0: I'm pretty sure I neglected to turn on the Instagram microphone oh buddy wow that's that's lame well if you're just tuning in we're talking about ethics I apologize that is lame
1: yeah you might just not have to post this one anyway
0: we'll sound check it and if it's bad then alright we'll figure it out Oh, oh, buddy. Sh- oh, shoot. Hmm. Mm. Well, I'm criticizing myself for something worth being criticized for. That's fair. Which is neglecting to turn on the hey, microphone. Hey,
1: mistakes happen, man. You're oh, not boy. perfect. I don't come here thinking that you're perfect. Oh, boy. Close to, but not quite.
0: I'll take that. Okay. I'll put that in my, in my bio. Okay. <laughs>
1: In your dating profile, <laughs> close but no cigar. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, Ugh.
1: this is a good little spinoff. Considering it wasn't at all what we were going to talk about today. Yeah, I think it's an important one. I think it's one that we're not talking about enough. Yep. And and, and you and I live in this industry, and I will I can tell you that of all the years that I've been doing this, ethical practices in the business of fitness has been one of very few, if any, conversations I've ever had. Now, I, we can talk all day long about progressions and squats and deadlifts and presses and hypertrophy and strength phase, whatever, whatever, whatever. But being an ethical business owner, an ethical coach is one that, especially in the age of fitness, like Instagram, influencer, in that whole arena, uh uh-uh. uh, it is a very low bar, A, to even be in this industry. And, and B to be a person of influence in this industry.
2: Yeah.
1: And so making unethical or dubious claims. I, I mean and I see it all the time. The worst part is all the infighting that goes on. In a weird way it's good because it che- it's a checks and balances. But there are a lot of very influential people in our industry with a huge reach that say some dumb shit. And as soon as they get any flack, instead of trying to learn and be better, they just ban or, like, cancel. Not cancel, ban. Block. Oh, words today, man.
0: And he's been blocked.
1: I haven't been blocked yet. Well, no, I didn't. I was blocked by one person randomly.
0: I was going to say, I think.
1: I was blocked by one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you and I talked about this a couple of weeks back. There's a couple coaches in the fitness sphere that I disagree with their entire perspective. And so we don't have to get into that. We're getting late into the podcast. But the point is, I hope that there is never a day where I can't be challenged because I don't want to be or it makes me uncomfortable or whatever. I hope that I never consider myself an expert in this field so that I can always have room for improvement. Yeah, I think that's mostly self-imposed. To mm-hmm. be honest, I don't think anybody's putting all that pressure on me. I put it on me.
0: You're Right. Right. That's why well you should. That's what well you should. <sighs> well, I'm getting really down on myself.
1: For not doing the microphone thing? For it's okay, buddy. For not doing the We'll thing. forgive you.
0: Mm. I'm really bummed out about that. But I'm not going to let it ruin... Valentine's the, Day? I'm not going to let it ruin my Valentine's <laughs> Day. <laughs> uh, uh, well, cool, man. Yeah, good stuff. And, you know, that's, that's, again, I think one of the cool things about doing a podcast is we get the opportunity to flesh out our thoughts long form in real time. Mm-hmm. And again, this podcast is another example of just, you know, the, the mountain of experience and, and feedback and content that, that feeds our ability to grow. You know, it's like again, if you look at anybody else in our industry who, let's say, doesn't have this opportunity, doesn't have their own podcast, it's like, well, why you why hamstring yourself with your ability to get your thoughts out or your ability to, to defend thoughts? And that was one of the big inspiration points for starting this thing mm-hmm. is why don't I create my own container for just fleshing ideas out mm. or just chatting about stuff or just pinging ideas off somebody, but doing it in an environment where there's some stakes
1: mm.
0: like a podcast. So again, there's a, there's a meta lesson there, putting yourself on the chocolate Chopping block a little bit is, uh, yeah, is what I try to do.
1: When you do it online too, where strangers can tear you down, yeah, absolutely. I don't. I'm like, no, I'm in my own little universe.
0: <laughs> hey, and that's fine too, yeah, that's fine too. Well, cool, man. So maybe we'll save our uh, GPP conversation <laughs> for maybe next week for next time. General physical preparedness. What is it and how to train it?
1: Okay. Well, now it's on the podcast, and so now we have to talk about it. I guess I would so. like to talk about it because I'm genuinely curious how you would define it and how you would program for it. I have an idea, and, I, and <clears throat> yeah, this will be a good one. Maybe we can flesh out some ideas on Saturday when we left. You, you're here this weekend, right? Yep. I told you that I wasn't going to be here. That's since changed. I'll okay. be here. Yeah, we canceled our plans. Got it. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about GPP.
0: Yeah, you know me. <laughs> All right, so some some lighter topics as we wrap up here. Yesterday was the Super Bowl. How, how did that go for you? Were you rooting for the Bengals? Were you rooting for the Rams? I was
1: rooting for both teams to have a good
0: time. Oh, okay. That's yeah, nice. That's yeah, nice. I think they both had a great time.
1: I know. It was hard to, you know, I like Joe Burrow and I like Matthew Stafford. It's hard to, I think both programs are great. And so, that's amazing. I was glad that the I was glad that the game was close. I thought that generally the commercials were bad. Yep. But the but the game was good. Um, I really wanted to see if because that kicker I was looking him up. The kicker for the Bengals career high is fifty four yards, and he was one hundred percent in the postseason. I really wanted him to take that shot. I was hoping that they'd get close enough. For him to to get a chance to take that shot and so that's what i was rooting for at the end i was like ooh, i just want to see if he can do it
0: yeah well that's how they beat us right with the field, goal. A field goal yeah yeah so yeah obviously i wanted the Bengals to i want to see them be champs because if we had to lose to anybody obviously i wanted it to be you know, right the, the super bowl champs um but granted I don't follow sports in general. I don't follow football very much at all. So that's how much my opinion counts. Uh, how about the halftime show? Oh, that what was so thoughts? much fun. I
1: liked it. Yeah, it was fun.
0: Yeah, I did too. I thought it was. I thought it was great.
1: Yeah, they did a good job. Yeah. You, in, I thought there was a lot of fun, and also I think most of the halftime shows are also terrible, most of the time. Uh, Prince wasn't, but.
0: Let's see. Was it last year that was the weekends?
1: Yeah, I barely watched it. I forget. I like barely watched that game last year. Yeah. And, and then the year before that was... Shit, I can't remember now. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Anyway, it was well, a good I, game.
0: Yeah, I, just, I thought it was funny that, you know, it seems like in the zeitgeist today that, you know, it was a Super Bowl halftime show that solidified millennials as now an elder generation. Oh, yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, I saw that, yeah.
0: So that that seems to be the theme of the buzz around the halftime show. It's like, oh, if you were super stoked about the halftime show, it means now you're officially old. Right. <laughs> Which is not entirely wrong. I mean, Dr. Dre has been around since the early Late 80s, early 80s. 90s, yeah. Early 80s? I mean... I thought the late 80s. Well, NWA was certainly most active in the early, n- well.
1: Late 80s, early 90s, I thought.
0: I'm, I, would, I would assume that Dr. Dre had at least some, let's, you're, you can be my real-time fact checker.
1: Okay, what am I looking When was
0: up? Dr. Dre's first, first published music? The Chronic,
1: 1992.
0: Well, that was post-NWA.
1: Yeah. see, NWA first album. Straight Outta Compton. Uh, 1988.
0: 88. Yeah. I figured it was the late 80s. Yeah. 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 So yeah, man, that makes sense. That we're getting made fun of for being old. Which really, I mean, any time that there's a generation younger that actually has some cultural sway, you're gonna be labeled old. Hmm. You know? So I mean at this point, you know, we certainly have, you know, kids who are ten to fifteen years younger. Than us that are making giant cultural moves so yeah it makes sense
1: I'm curious who those artists will be in 15 years then I'm going to be that old person who's like who's this who's this artist
0: I thought the show was great the 50 cent bit was it landed a little flat for me <laughs> on like multiple levels okay uh, like I get it like I guess he was like a special guest right because sure. he wasn't he wasn't on the he wasn't advertised
1: Oh right right right
0: yeah you know? and it was supposed to be like an LA themed thing it's, like yeah Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg. Well
1: but then Eminem showed up and he's from Detroit
0: Eminem obviously maybe I mean certainly when you're talking about like an all-star hip-hop lineup, mm-hmm. if you're going to include a token white guy, it has to be Eminem.
1: Well, right. It's,
0: I mean, it has to be. So when you have... And then obviously Dr. Dre, like, discovered and produced Eminem. So right. he still fit in with the whole L.A. mold. Sure. 50 Cent is from New York... I, maybe he was signed to Dr. Dre's label or maybe they worked together. I'm not exactly sure. But 50 Cent coming in struck me as a little goofy. He's hanging from the ceiling.
1: Yeah, it's from that video of when he was popular 20
0: years ago. Yeah, mm. and he's wearing like a tank top. Yeah. I mean, he's jacked.
1: Do you don't remember that video from way back when?
0: Honestly, no, I don't.
1: Uh, well, Go look it up.
0: Okay. And uh, You know... Find Me in the Club, obviously that's a big hit. I would have loved to have seen him do uh, Hated to Love at the Underdogs on Top, that song.
1: Oh, I don't know that one. I was never into hip-hop. But, I say never. I, it just wasn't my genre growing up.
0: Sure, sure. But what was really cool to see was obviously Kendrick Lamar.
1: I was just gonna say the dancers around Kendrick Lamar, I was really into that. I don't I, know why I really like those dancers. They're so, great.
0: I mean to me, yes, the, the the quote unquote Kendrick Lamar part of the show was like very I think came like the closest to being like very culturally poignant. Mm. You know. Obviously Kendrick Lamar's material is very Culturally poignant. But um, I thought it was really cool to have him there. I thought the his part of the show was really cool. My only my only wish would be that we just, like, would cut 50% out completely and double up Kendrick Lamar's time. Okay. Because, you know, again, he's from, obviously, he's, he's from L.A., so he's, he's, he's a local guy there. And I guess he was probably the youngest out of the headliners.
1: Mm, I think so
0: Because I think he's our age Yeah I think he's early 30s Of course he had Anderson Pack On the drums mm-hmm. That was interesting
1: Mary J. Blige
0: Mary J. Blige Amazing, amazing. Oh she was great Yeah Yeah I really liked uh, I really liked her segment um, But yeah It was interesting to see I don't really know too much About Anderson Pack's uh, Origin story So I don't know if he's from L.A because I would assume that there's some sort of L.A. connection with all the performers. Mm. I could be wrong. Um, so it was cool to see him play drums there for Eminem. It would have been even cooler to have him do a song. But, mm. you know, again, when you're supporting Dre and Snoop Dogg and Ray J. Blige and Eminem, there's only so much time. Yeah. Uh, but uh it was uh, it was really cool. So I thoroughly uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the show. But um yeah, again, I think uh it would have been it would have been interesting to give Kendrick Lamar some more time. Yeah. That's all.
1: I was about to say I think I'm gonna l- listen to Kendrick Lamar on the way home. I'm kinda of vibing that right now. Uh
0: if you're curious about my favorite Kendrick Lamar song, mm. it's gotta be Mm. ADHD is up there okay yeah
1: I'll cue it up yeah I've to a lot more Killer Mike lately
0: oh
1: yeah his his another,
0: Reagan his Ronald Reagan song is yeah, pretty yeah
1: another hat tip to Anthony because he suggested it I okay. let my clients pick, <laughs> I let my clients pick the music when they're working out and, and the Killer Mike was a suggestion from Anthony and so I've been playing it more and I, I actually really dig it
0: mm-hmm. fun facts one of the last plane rides that I went on before the pandemic, Killer Mike was in first class.
1: What? That's cool. Yep.
0: It was a it was a plane ride from Atlanta to Greensboro. Mm. It was on a small plane, small small plane. So first class was just the first five rows. Mm. And I got on, and I, I he was on the phone, like he like he was on the cell phone. He was just chatting and so I walked by and we exchanged glances and I was just like wow killer Mike is on this plane and so then I I went and I looked at his Instagram later and he was like flying to Greensboro to you know he's uh he's very much involved in uh like uh, black owned small businesses and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing so he was flying to Greensboro for some event or some opening of some kind and uh, uh yeah it was it was super cool so that's my Very short Killer Mike story.
1: That's cool, dude.
0: Yeah. Maybe Run the Jewels will do the halftime show one year. That
1: would be cool. I'd enjoy that.
0: When we're 53. (laughs) All right, man. Anything to wrap up?
1: Mm Mm-mm. Look at you. You got to sign in and everything.
0: All right. Well, hey, thanks again to Zahn's Brewing here in Nashville, Tennessee. Come by and see them, especially as the weather warms up, because Ken has some new beers brewing up. Oh, I miss, I miss this because oh, I was late today. So. Yeah, man. All right. Some, uh, some beverages that you will not want to miss. So, again, thanks to Zahn's for the hospitality, for the space, for the libations that keep our conversations greased. <laughs> And we have got some very cool episodes coming up here very soon for you. Oh, yeah. So, again. Yes, it's coming on. Yep. So, thank you so much for listening. A to Z, no BS. We will see you next time.
2: Bye.